And welcome back to a very special edition of the Noble Order of Savages. I am your host, Marcus, followed by Derek and Jason, and I probably screwed that up. Nope. Uh, no, no, but but I that mean, that it, it pause didn't right. It didn't that, feel right. <laughs> that pause. I was just waiting for you to say a drink and a talk. I, I, I was waiting like on that as well. Right that is old. That is old. I was about to roll my dice real fast and make sure. I did not, and I rolled an 11, so I'm good. I, was good. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to say you just barely made that save. And you know what? Just, I will accept Just barely. That. I will accept that. <laughs> How are you guys doing? How was y'all week? Uh, it was a week. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was going to share this. I had, I turned a bad situation into a fun situation because, let's face it, I... Did uh, she? Did you find out she has she has a penis? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> no, my buddies came down. They we were we were talking about going out, hanging out, and all this other stuff. I had another friend join us. You know, she was lovely company. Uh, the only problem was everywhere we went, like some of my favorite places, like you know, uh, Yellow Springs, uh, Peaches, and Yeo Trail Tavern, they were closed. And I'm like, okay, you know what? We'll go. Or, you know, we'll go to the mall. We went to the mall and two of my places over there, it was like a 30-minute wait. I'm like, are you serious? So we're hanging out at the arcade and a private number calls and it's the police. And they're like, yeah, uh, is this Marcus? I was like, yeah. They was like, yeah, uh, your car's been involved in an accident. And I'm just like, are you serious? Like, where I was parked, I'm in like the middle of the parking lot. And there's like, a bunch of cars around me. So I'm like, how the fuck did they literally just go right in the middle of the parking lot and just hit my shit, you know? So I'm running out. I'm running out. I'm freaking out. There's this big white lift truck blocking my view of my car. And I'm just like praying to God, like, don't let the damage be too bad. Please don't let the damage be too bad. And thank God it wasn't. In fact, the white truck was the one that caused the damage. Okay, and the woman she's getting out, like apologizing profusely. We're we're exchanging uh, uh, insurance information, and instead of being mad, which a lot of people thought I went crazy because of all the festivities throughout the weekend, I just started laughing. Like I could not stop laughing. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm I'm just laughing. And we left the mall, came home. You know, I'm grabbing like a, uh, I think I grabbed like an 18 pack of uh, Heineken, and I'm smashing that. While still laughing, I'm like, dude, this weekend could not have went any better than I planned it. Like, that was just insane. Like, good uh, job. You know what, though? That's what happens when you uh, call upon the spirit of Paul Walker. <laughs> you know, look, we all did it as a dare, okay? We did it as a dare. I don't know why he decided to mess with the black person of the team. Like, that's fucked up. Did what as a dare? Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, what? nobody did anything as a dare. You called upon Paul Walker yourself. You guys were involved. Admit your mistakes. I don't think I was involved in that. I I, yeah, I, I would never. I would never call Paul Walker. <laughs> yes, it'd be the same as it'd be the same as calling Candyman. Okay, you know what? We're not gonna bring that up. So let's <laughs> let's just move forward. Let's just move forward. Wait, Candyman? Oh, 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 oh that's twice. That's, I, I'm going to end this right now. 
Are, are we talking about Candyman? Juicy Fruit. That's what we're talking about. It? Juicy Fruit. Candyman. Oh. You know what? If y'all, lights, if y'all lights go out and y'all die, that's on y'all. I didn't say anything. I'm not invoking any wrath here. Candyman. <laughs> oh, no. My light went out. Ah. Oh. Okay. You know what? I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And Marcus has officially quit the show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So let's get to that. Let's get to the headlines, man. Jason, what do you got for us? What do I have for you? Well, I have an exciting story come from Indonesia. Man killed by razor-wielding rooster at India cockfight. So uh, the victim, a 55-year-old, I am not pronouncing that name, uh, was at the uh, animal death match, and he was apparently getting his rooster all ready to go fight and um apparently it didn't want to fight or it was plotting its revenge and it uh stabbed him in the groin and he bled out and died whoa wait oh wait in his groin yeah okay i was thinking more like you know he was trying to grab the chicken and it slit his throat or something like that like no 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 he was trying to put the knives on the rooster oh and like the rooster was just like hey buddy no Hey, um, I got shorted on money. So, could does this fall into like a sword fight in a sense? If you think about it, like I mean, possibly like two cocks. I, I mean, know. yeah, we got. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. All right, Derek, what you got? Well, I actually just stumbled on this headline a little bit ago, where. Pigs can be trained to play video games with their snouts, which apparently there was a a, a docu no not a documentary um a report uh, which began back in the nineties by a scientist working with uh, Stanley Curtis, who's a legendary swine researcher. Uh, it was co-authored by Candace Crony, director of Purdue University's Center for Animal Welfare Science, and Sarah Boyson, a professor of psychology at Ohio State University, renowned for research with chimpanzees. What they were doing is they were actually taking, uh, originally they were taking chimpanzees and turn, uh, teaching them how to operate joystick games. And they found out that pigs are highly intelligent creatures that you can also train, like push a ball with their snout, things like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently they found a way that they can train them to operate a joystick with their snout to literally play games. Uh, I want to be the first to welcome our new pig overlords to uh, to our society and that I will be a humble and grateful servant to them. I will entertain and the shit out of them. For those curious, <laughs> the, uh, the two pigs are Yorkshire pigs named Hamlet and Omelette. Oh, that's adorable! That's actually pretty cool. That's actually pretty cool. Oh, I kind of liked it would have been better if like the other one would have been named Hampton. That would work. Hamlet and Hampton. <laughs> Hampton. Yeah. It was a it was the little pig from Tiny Toons. That would yeah. be cool. Yeah, you, I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm not Tiny <laughs> All right. Well, I gotta bring it back to the good old US of A. <sighs> Where first world problems get solved with fists. This time we go to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's your first problem. It's in Scottsdale, Arizona. Of course. (laughs) Check your white privilege, people. 
Because bad bath would be uh bed bath bed and bath uh well bath and body works well <laughs> breaks okay, out between employees <laughs> and women. And apparently okay. through the initial right, investigation. We're recent hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Derek. I mean Marcus. Pull up a D20 and give us a roll here. All right. Roll you it. need to make a save. I, oh, I got a 20! <laughs> I got a save! So you made the save, so it's whatever you say that it is. Yes! <laughs> yes! Now start over. <laughs> now start over. Now, uh, Bad and Body Works, uh, basically this huge brawl breaks out because uh, through the uh, initial investigation, they come to find out somebody cut in line. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it started. So ball breaks out. Employees jump in. They try to step in and try to uh, calm the situation. But apparently this woman, I guess, became high rate. So the employees, I guess, couldn't take it anymore. And they proceeded to beat her ass. Please tell me her name was Karen. I would love to say it, but I'm pretty sure they're holding back on the name. All I can say is that she was a middle-aged woman. That was it. She was she was white. She was she so white. Everybody involved with this was white. Do you ever see someone who's not white at Bath and Body Works or Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever the hell this is? No, I can't. I can't even get into Bed Bath and Beyond or Bath and Body Works. Of course, I was, was going to say that is. Like, I I am I am not white enough to get in there. They look at you and think, "What the hell are you doing here?" Hey, sometimes <laughs> I need lotion. I need lotions. I don't think they have lotion that fits your size. No, no, they don't. <laughs> I'm just saying, that, that, that shit tickled me pink for a minute, because I'm just like, are you serious? Like, there are starving children in Africa. There's wars around the world. And you start a fight because somebody didn't want to wait to purchase their candles and bath towels and lotion. <laughs> somebody, somebody seriously thought that they were so important that they just had to cut in front of somebody else. Like that is like the epitome of not having manners whatsoever. <laughs> no, that's that's the epitome of first world problems right there. <laughs> like literally, like there are probably soup lines right now in a third world country where people are probably going to starve. <laughs> and this woman is, I'm important. I need my candles. <laughs> there's it's like really there's really? soup lines here in the states. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just fucking down with that. Like, God damn. Like, that's just fucking Somebody crazy. was... We we have people dying in the streets from hunger, but yet somebody buying candles is so much more important. Oh, it's, it's an emergency. <laughs> it has to it has to accent her, her bathroom. Like, come on. She cannot have guests over, and her bathroom looks atrocious without those candles and towels. I need the Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle. Honestly, <laughs> I... At one point, I was actually considered buying it, but then again, I stopped myself. I was Dude, like, nah, "Nah, we should, just... we should seriously buy that and do a man's review of it." <laughs> you know what? I'm down. <laughs> uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll sign up. Uh, I'll be. That's I'll be a test subject. Of, uh, who's that streamer? Uh, Belle Delphine selling her bathwater. Oh yeah! Did oh, someone my. get sick from doing that? Probably. Like, dr like drinking it or something. Uh, that's just I, desperation, man. Come on. I, I remember somebody like getting bathwater from like a like a YouTuber only fan girl, and then he drank it and got sick because she was had like probably her because there was like Wouldn't something going on with her. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, let's jump into it. All right, I had to, I'm I'm just gonna say this now since 
Jason, you announced that we were doing this. I have reviewed almost, I would say, I wouldn't say all, but it was like majority of the movies based off of what we're about to talk about. And why would you? Oh, <laughs> and like I was just looking at reviews and stuff like that. Of course, I did watch uh, uh, Mazes and Monsters. I did watch that all yeah. because literally was not paying attention until I got home and I saw Tom Hanks was in it. And I was like, fuck, it's Tom Hanks. Like, fuck. It's got to be good. Uh, actually, we are we are going to talk about Maze and Monsters. And that actually has Ohio connection. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Without further ado, here we go. Tonight we are going to dig into the highly imaginative and amazing world of Dungeons and Dragons, or D&D to some. Dungeons and Dragons had humble beginnings to become the forefather of modern, modern tabletop gaming as we know it. Dungeons and Dragons was a gateway to many fantastic worlds and amazing journeys and adventures. Now order the pizza, crack open the Mountain Dew, open those Doritos, and warm up your dice, because tonight... We are going on an adventure in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. <clears throat> so, I'm going to set the mood for the show. Thank you. With something really <laughs> special. Let me get into my Dungeon Master voice. <clears throat> Where's my plate armor? Where's the cloak and the broadsword of cardboard? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I've got my battle axe. Uh, uh, oh, man. This I'm is ready. the one time I wish I had a wizard's hat. I'm ready. Uh-oh. What? I, I can't read this without Marcus here. <laughs> he does know we're recording this. Okay. Oh, he's got his shield. Ah, uh, someone's the cavalier. The three, of us, the three of us walk into the wide open room. The room is lit by torches, and the light is flickering off the piles of gold that covers the floor in the room. The three of us slowly move across the room carefully not making a noise. As we get to the midpoint of the room, that is where we lock eyes with our target. Sitting high on the golden throne is the evil and vile creature that has been tormenting the land. Raising to his feet, he lets out an evil laugh. <laughs> you foolish mortals, you think you can stop me? You think you could defeat the ultimate evil this land has ever seen? Fools, you will never stop, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt charges at the three of us. Marcus, quickly, make a charm save. Uh, seven. Marcus, you failed. Damn it. Derek, make a charm save. And 11. All right, you made it because you have a plus one beard bonus. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yes, guys, tonight we are talking about D&D. Um, so if you're a female, I realize that probably your panties have just become tighter on you. Please don't go anywhere. <laughs> Please, we need the ratings. And um, I promise it gets better. <laughs> it does get better. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about the history of D&D, &D, uh, where it came from and where it's gone. Uh, the amazing thing about D&D &D is that it's almost 50 years old. Um, it's been a stable in American culture for, for 50 years. And to me, I find that absolutely fascinating. So D&D was started by a guy by the name of Gary Gygax and yeah. um, Dave Arnson. Um, the game was first published in 1974 
under tactical study rules are better known as TSR. Um, oh, I lost my place. Uh, the game started with these guys. Um, they were kind of in the military and everything else. And it started with miniature gaming. And kind of from that point, um, they ran into another guy who they decided to take the characters and expand on it to where it was more of a character-based system. So they, so they worked on rules and everything else. And in the process of doing the rules, they came up with what we know now as D&D. Uh, during the course of this, they used um, a system called Chainmail, and they just basically took out the armies and had people create their own characters, and they built from there. Going from 1970, I want to say 1979 is when they first published the first box set, the original D&D game. Mm -hmm. And they... They had about, they spent about $2,000 and they released the game. And they spent, there's only probably about $100 worth of, um, <laughs> of art for the book. Uh, when they first kind of did the game, they kind of focused on um, different kind of mythologies and a lot of fantasy. Um, I, if you play D&D, there is a strong feeling of, like Tolkien and everything else. And so as time went on and they got closer to the 80s, they kind of split the D&D game. They went to D&D Basic and then they kind of came out with Advanced D&D. And with Advanced D&D, we got classic things like FACO and stuff like that. They went about... They went about it with your basic D&D was to introduce your play, to introduce the new players. Whereas in the advanced D&D was a tighter game. It was very kind of rule set and everything else. Um, the first two kind of supplements for D&D to come out was Greyhawk and Blackmore. Uh, Greyhawk is still around to this day. They still use that supplement, but Blackmore is no longer around. Not that I know or I could find. Um, they had um, the main influences on D&D coming through. We had authors like Robert E. Howard, H.P. Lovecraft, definitely Tolkien. Um, <laughs> kind of a funny thing is, is Tolkien at one point tried to sue them for copyright. And they had to make, yeah, they had to make some changes. Well, Tolkien was around before this. So they were kind of like, hey, you know, the use of like Hobbit, Hobbit got changed to Halfling. Uh, the Ents got changed to Tree Ents and the Barlog got changed to the Balor. Okay. So, I mean, it was just kind of like different things like that. Wasn't um, George R.R. R. Martin also a part of that as well? I don't know. I didn't see anything on it, but... Um, he's a D and D enthusiast. He is a D and D enthusiast, but I don't think his works really got onto the subject of like dwarves and elves and everything else. Sure. Well, I mean, with most fantasy, with most fantasy, you could basically pinpoint a lot to Token, and from Token, who I, I believe he set he set the expectation 
And then, of course, D&D is like setting the bar. And a lot of the a lot of writers and even movies, you know, they definitely take their love from not just D&D, but also from the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's work and stuff like that. Oh, you can definitely yeah. see it. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think like, like, I, to me, that's a beautiful thing. That's like to me, that's that, that's just showing love. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there was definitely like a lot of crazy things that that was happening. Um, going forward with it, it was in 1977. That's that's when we got like the kind of the start of the D and D that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going forward in the 80s, that's when I don't know if you can remember this, but like I know when I was a kid and I was getting into D and D, like we started with the basic set it was the red box and then after we played through the red box we moved on to the blue box then after that it was i think it was black i think that was the companions box and then up up to like the white box which was immortals and that was used to really kind of hook players in i mean it was it was was total marketing genius and then they're like okay well you've done all this other stuff now come and play a d and d and that's where we had like the classic monster manual player's handbook and um, the dungeons master's guide. Cause up to that point, we really hadn't had those rules. And the point of those books was cause there was TSR was releasing magazines and people were submitting rules and everything else to that. So those books actually took those rules and like the corrections and stuff like that, that they'd make over time in the mag in the magazines and compiled it in one book for the fans to have. Okay. Um, so then, so that lasted up until about the 80s. And then, in about in the 80s, we got mm, AD&D 2nd Edition. Um, I think it was around um, 80, 88, 89 that we got, like, the the 2nd the Edition AD&D book. Mm-hmm. And this is actually where it kind of gets interesting. Because that edition of AD&D, we actually got kind of a change to the world. So the system kind of changed a little bit. And not so much the system, but the subject matter. Because it was also during this time in the 80s that D&D ran into some problems. Well, it wasn't D&D's fault. But we had this fun little thing happening in America called the Satanic Panic. Mm -hmm. And... um. So people were kind of looking at D&D in a weird way. Uh, Earlier when we were talking about Maze and Monsters, um, if you look up uh, the story of... If you Google the story of... uh, What was his name? It was Um, something... James James Dallas Egbert III. Yes. So he is the inspiration for the Maze and Monsters. So he was a man, he's from Huber Heights, Ohio, or he was from Huber Heights, Ohio. He went to school up at Michigan State University, and then he just disappeared. Um, and then eventually he was found, and he, he, he actually tried to kill himself a few times, and eventually he succeeded in killing himself. But it was because of his strange behavior and everything else that and he played D&D that D&D got blamed for it and D&D got blamed that it was influencing him to act out in this way. Well, Jason, let me add on to that. 
I will add on to that because I, I took a uh, heavy interest in that story. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why they believed D&D was the culprit was because his family hired a private investigator mm-hmm. who basically just, you know, it, it, you know, summed it all up with, uh, oh, he, he, you know, lost his mind playing this game and, you know, uh, schizophrenia and all this other stuff. When in yeah. actuality, this guy was suffering from uh, depression, yeah. uh, drug, drug, drug abuse, and uh, I believe I'm. Don't quote me on this one, but I believe that they said that he was uh, in the closet homosexual at the time as well. Yeah. So yeah. those were key things that he left out of his findings because uh, well, I guess I guess he didn't believe it was relevant. Compared to basically what was happening at that time with D and D, and of course the uh, sens- uh, satanic cults. Yeah, they were also saying it was a bit ritualistic as well with how everything was actually set up. Yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah, I can kind of see that. Like, if you don't truly understand like what is going on, like if you see a bunch of guys around a mat with a bunch of stuff thrown on it, and you're like, "Oh man, what are these guys doing?" Like, <laughs> I I can kind of see someone being like, "Uh." But if you just took the time to kind of like look at it and then just be like, oh, hey, that's a map to a dungeon and there's just the little toys that they're using. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there is a ritual that goes with D&D, but it's not it, like when you think of ritual, it's not like the same thing as ritual. Well, yeah. Well, it, it's also the, the point of first impression versus actually understanding what it is. Yeah. Like during that point in time, Nobody took time to figure out what it was. It was just, ooh, this is evil. So, and another interesting case, now this one happened in the 90s, was uh, Chris Pritchard. Uh, He killed his stepfather, and part of his defense was that he played D&D. Just to backpedal a little bit, too, with with the first guy. uh, um, James. James Dallas Edwards, Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, this was also around the time of Richard Ramirez and a lot of the Satanic Panic when it first started. Oh yeah. So this around this time with them finding things like that, they kind of coincide together, and it, it really stuck D and D into our rut. Yeah, it it did because you know, like in the because I mean, and this lasted up until like the nineties too, with like Chris Pritchard, um, mm-hmm. like with him murdering his stepdad and trying to kill his mom, and then the most probably famous case ever to come out of the satanic panic the west memphis three and just them getting them just getting railroaded into prison just because they liked heavy metal music and played dnd or at least damien played dnd so i mean so dnd uh kind of had to fix their image a little bit so in about 88 89 we got advanced dnd second edition and in that process, they took out uh, the evil character race of half-orcs and the uh, evil class of assassins and basically took out any mentioning of devils and demons, succubus, anything that could be subjective to or be looked at as being satanic. And they focused more kind of like on uh, European mythology and mm-hmm. European your history. Paladins, your archers. yeah so kind of from that so from 1989 up until about 
1997, Wizards of the Coast went bankrupt. And, well, not Wizards of the Coast, but TSR went bankrupt. And with that, they got bought by Wizards of the Coast. And this kind of was a, a good thing and a bad thing, because when Wizards of the Coast took over, they streamlined the system. They did away with the basic game and advance, and they merged it into one. And that's where we got the classic D20 system that a lot of people know now. Uh, the one true sad casualty of this was the great and honorable Thacko. If you don't know what Thacko is, Thacko is to hit armor class zero. <laughs> so um, not only to play D&D, you have to be a little kind of nerdy, but you also had to be a mathematician. And uh, Thacko was a very confusing way to hit because... Like the way everything was set up with Thacko was it was really kind of it was kind of confusing because you had to have the chart. And um I am proud to say that I got to play DD with Thacko. And you kids don't know how well you have it with your D20 system, and I don't want to hear it. Never play Thacko. <laughs> I should make you play Thacko just so no. you can pull your hair out. <laughs> no. Actually, actually, funny enough, when I joined, when I started playing, I played somewhere, what, in my teen years? My late, my later teen years. That's when I really got into D and D, thanks to a good buddy of mine, uh, Dante. He was our DM, and when he started buying the books, of course, I knew of D and D, but I was just like, okay, like, yeah, this is that. And, and my thought was, oh, just a lot of math. That's it. And when we sat okay. down and started playing, it, dude, it, it really, it, it's addictive. It really is. I mean, it, it, like it's the storyline. It's the storyline that really gets you, you know. Especially if it's, especially if they're like, if if they follow the storyline that <clears throat> that D and D provides. Yeah. Um. I mean, the the beautiful thing with D and D is that you can do whatever you want with it. Like, yeah. If you want to play, I want to play a a game where everybody's a gnome. You can play a game where everybody's a gnome. All right, a funny story with this. I actually played my last game, not my current game I'm playing right now, but the one before it. We were an entire party of goblins. <laughs> I, it, was you, oh, yeah. it was an evil campaign. We were all goblins. It was actually really fun. So um, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit uh, before we get into Wizards of the Coast and what Wizards of the Coast did for D&D. And I, I know we've talked a little bit about the, the controversy of D&D, but there is something that I absolutely loved with D&D, and that was all the different realms you could play in. Yes. And that's what um, I think D&D was really kind of successful with, was making these different realms. Because, you know, you had, you had Greyhawk, which was just kind of like your typical standard European kind of thing. And then they had mm -hmm. Forgotten Realms. And Forgotten Realms was a great kind of fantasy setting and we got like dritz like that that is that is where dritz is from and we got all the rl salvatore um books and that's based off of that um after forgotten realms there's ravenloft which was horror dnd spell jammers which was um you know dnd sci-fi 
And then you had Dark Sun, which was D&D Apocalypse. But I think one of the most popular settings that D&D ever had was Dragonlance. Dragonlance was just so huge. Just all the books and just the characters and everything else. And, And that was kind of the sad part, too, when Wizards of the Coast took over TSR was mm-hmm. for a while they lost a lot of those campaign settings so moving forward in about the year 2000 Dean, uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to do a third edition uh, the mm-hmm. beautiful thing about this was they got rid of Thacko RIP Thacko and they brought in the D20 system also with this they brought in skills and feats which added more flexibility and more creativity for you making your characters um, around 2003, they did Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, and then uh, let's see here, right around 20, uh, right around 2014, they came out with fifth edition, mm-hmm. and um, and that is the current edition that we have now, and it's probably the best edition that um, that they've ever made. Actually, funny. No, actually, actually, I got somebody that will argue with you on that one, and that's uh Frank. Frank literally believes that third edition is like the best, well, even well, of all of them. And I'm I, and I'm I, honestly, honestly, I sort of agree with him, but I'm like, you know, fifth edition isn't that bad. Uh, I like fifth edition because they brought back like the proficiencies <clears throat> and everything else. I mean, third edition is still round. Um, it's just, I mean, like they have 3.75, it's just called Pathfinder. See, I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. admit, I'm pretty partial to Pathfinder myself. And, and that's, and I can understand that. Like I, I've played Pathfinder. I like Pathfinder. I third edition was, was a great edition of D and D, but you know, the, in 2014, when fifth edition hit on the 40th anniversary, um, I don't know. It just kind of took me back to like the old second edition days. With now, the- when did fourth edition come out? What's fourth edition? The, there is a fourth edition. No, there's not. Oh, we don't- All right, Derek. I'm gonna have to make you make a roll. <laughs> Seven. No. <laughs> even even with your even with your plus five beard, uh, you did not break my spell, and fourth edition still does not exist. <laughs> So we're we're just not talking about that cancerous edition. We're not talking. What edition? What edition? We shall we shall not talk about the edition that shall not be named. (laughs) All I know is third and fifth. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, okay. We'll talk about fourth edition. Let me take a drink first. Oh, it's required at this point. Where's my where's my scotch? It's gonna leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it is. So fourth edition came out in. I want to say mid 2000s and basically it was like 2007 um it was basically D&D trying to grab onto World of Warcraft that that's that's all it was um if, that's actually a good way to put it yeah, fourth like, edition was active but from 2007 through 2013 those were the dark years oh. Do, do you know how many halflings died? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I get like fourth edition just felt so plug and play. 
um, I, I, I can see that the appeal to people that's never played before and are like, you know, then, then they're playing World of Warcraft and it's like, okay, we're going to play D&D. What's D&D? Well, you like World of Warcraft, right? Yeah. It's like D&D. Come on. What do you want to make? But it was just so like, everything had to be so standard. Like you, you had to have, uh, you had to have a defender, a striker, uh, a controller, a healer. Like, I don't know. The big thing was fourth edition. It really tried to roadmap everyone to where they were locked into a certain position, yeah. certain role that they had to fulfill, mm-hmm. or else everything would just fall apart. Yeah, and they, yeah. they tried to, to streamline it to get more uh, proactive with <clears throat> outstanding community, try to draw more people in, try to make it marketing wise. Yeah, more into like a, a tacticians game rather than a role playing game, which is what a lot of people looked at D and D as as a role playing game. Yeah, so it was basically I- everything that D and D is not. So I'm going to share this story about uh, a fourth edition game because I used to play RPGA. I loved RPGA. And we went to this one game, uh, this one game day and this guy made a fighter and he would not enter a room because there was a rat in there because he did not want his character to get hit. So we basically stood outside this room, the room filled with swarms of rats to where they started pouring out the door and it pretty much will wipe the whole party because this one fighter did not want to get one, lose one hit point. <laughs> and I was just kind of like from that point on, that's what killed fourth edition for me. Cause <laughs> that is- it, Right there, yeah, like, like it was bringing in, like, it was great that it was opening DD up to a lot of different people, but at the same time, it the people that it was bringing in was pure trash. And I hate to say that, but it was tr- so true. <laughs> well, I, I got more than a few stories that uh, <laughs> I would say were hilarious because, uh, oh my god, I think I shared this with you, Derek, at one point because we, we 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 did play uh, together for a little bit. Uh, my buddy Frank, he was our DM. We started a campaign. This is all the way back in like 2010-ish, 2011-ish. And I was all excited. I had a fighter already, you know, printed up, ready to go. Well, something happened, and I was not able to make the first session. Okay? I called him, let him know. They was like, all right, don't worry. He was like, I got you. And I'm thinking, hey, he got me. All right, yeah. All right, I'm going to have like a really epic entrance. Yeah. So... Week goes by, we get to the next session, I show up, I'm practically there before everybody because I'm excited. I'm like, yeah! So we're setting up and everybody is looking at me like, oh, Marcus. I'm like, what? (laughs) It was like, so do you know how your character's coming in? And I was like, no. I was like, Frank said he got me. And I'm looking at Frank like, so how do you got me, bro? I'm like, am I going to bust through a window or something like that? He's like, oh, you'll see. Like, you know, penalties for being late. I'm like, wait, what? So we start the game. I'm nowhere to be found until they get to a cave. They get in the cave. They're fighting kobolds, okay? It's like one or two and all this other stuff. Next thing you know, they run into my character who is tied to a spit. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Yeah, they're, they're rotating you on a spit. <laughs> and he was like, three feet off, you see another kobold, and he's holding this massive fucking turkey baster. And he's slapping it against his hand with a very, very evil smile. And I'm just looking at him like, really? Are you serious right now? And I'm looking at the team like, dude, if y'all don't save me, we got a fucking problem. 
Okay, if something trauma, if something is traumatizing about to happen, I quit. I'm not doing this. Kill my character. I'm gonna re-roll another one. So, um, able to save me. What if the what if the kobold looked like Brad Pitt? Would you be okay with it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I roll for deception? Can I roll for deception here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll for deception. Um. So. Um. So with um, <laughs> with um, with the uh, with fifth edition, we're starting to see a lot of old modules come back, and we're starting to see a lot of old, uh, just a lot of um, older games. Like they're bringing back Ravenloft. They're bringing it back. Um, fifth edition was a hey, we fucked up. Let's back that a little bit here. Yeah, but yeah. also also fifth edition, I think was. I think it's on the level of perfect because it takes the aspects of third edition that people like, like feats and skills. And it also brings in aspects of first edition of like the proficiencies that people loved. And it kind of mixes them well. And it, it really adds some really great new game mechanics to like the advantage and disadvantage roles. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'll stick with my statement of that fifth edition is perfect. It is, it is a perfect condition. I'm still partial to Pathfinder, and there's nothing wrong with Pathfinder. Like Pathfinder is a perfectly fine game. There's so many people that shit on Pathfinder, I, and I think that's very un, unfair because, like, the beautiful thing with the D20 system, it also brought in uh, the open gaming license, and that's why we have Pathfinder. Exactly. Um, uh, when uh, when D and D went to fourth edition, and I forget the company that makes um, Pathfinder, they, they were like, you know, well, if you're going to Paizo, yeah, yeah, and they were like, if fine, if you're going to do that, we're just going to keep doing third edition, and they got the rights to it, and you know, more power to them because it Pathfinder, is Pathfinder in a in an essence was a third party system, mm-hmm. yeah. At its core, yeah, they they actually made supplement books for D and D, and that was the beautiful thing about the open gaming license. Like you could you could make whatever you wanted for D and D in the D twenty system, and it worked because it all followed the same mechanics. Okay, that, that's one reason I love how I don't know I don't know exactly when it happened, but they started getting away from the core game itself. And started making homebrew editions, yeah, where people can literally just make up their own story. And oh, they yeah. have that now with D and D, like D and D Beyond. Exactly. Like, like they listen to the people. Like, you can make your own magic items, your own monsters, your own races, and everything else. And mm-hmm. that, that it's it's really kind of exciting. It, it, it is a it is the golden age of being a nerd. <laughs> oh yeah, it is absolutely. Well, there were some questions. I uh, I had my friend over. We had a uh, few drinks, and of course, we were just. I, I mentioned to her, you know, this podcast, and there were some questions that I posed to her that I was going to pose to you guys. And my first question was, you know, <clears throat> when you haven't played in a while, like you're not thinking about it, or you're you're busy with life or whatnot. What is one thing that actually gets you back into it? Be it a movie, a TV series, a book, like what? draws you back into you know D&D itself 
is I, I was telling her my story of I haven't played in a while. I think I didn't play for like what four, four or five years. Did Frank hit me in turkey biscuits? Yeah, he scared, <laughs> he scared me with that. And I was invited. Uh, I was invited to uh, join. I was invited to join a uh, a campaign for Pathfinder, of course. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Because I'm like, yeah, you know, the, the, the energy was low. And the guy that I was talking with, Patrick, he told me about this uh, YouTube channel. Uh, they, they, they put out a movie. It was uh, The Gamers, Darkness Rising. Yes. Yes. And he said, he was like, Marcus, I want you to watch it. And he was like, trust me, you will get it. It will be awesome. Just watch it. I was like, all right, fine. So I get home that night, and I'm watching it, and there was, like, so many Easter eggs, so many references to D&D. &D. And it was, like, it was, a, it was a gaming movie made by gamers. And, dude, right after I got finished watching it, the next day I walked up to him and was like, dude, when are we starting? Like, what do I need? <laughs> the like, best thing about that movie, too, it, it's free on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. Um, it's actually just an amateur movie that a bunch of people wanted to record they're a bunch of gamers they play D, &D things like that and they, they just thought it'd be something fun to do and they've made a full-on movie out of it and it's actually a really good quality movie made by amateurs actually yeah. here's the best part here's the best part they went beyond that they went beyond that and they started their own uh studio and yes. they put out a lot of content you know basically from D, &D or even cyberpunk or uh, I think one that I was watching uh, recently was uh, Demon Hunters, and I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, "Dude, this is like right up my alley!" Like, you know, for anybody that plays, anybody that plays D and D or, or 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 cyberpunk or any variant of uh, tabletop or paper and pencil here, you watch their stuff, you're automatically going to be drawn into it. I mean, they literally put a lot of love into it. That's the best part. They're not they're not like these big studios which i was watching like the bad reviews of dnd movies that was a headache oh god <laughs> and it's like they were low budget they were low budget but they were awesome versus like major studios trying to pump all this money into trying to make a dnd film or uh, or animation and it just bombs hard you know i, I have um like i think it's kind of like if they would have picked a like a setting to do for a DD movie, I think it would have done so much better. Like, I'm I'm guessing that as well, but at the same time, I'm like this. It, it, it to me it all boils down to the writers. Any movie based off of a comic book or even role-playing game, you just can't throw regular people who do not understand the material. You know, yeah, I mean it, it, it takes like a, a, a writer to uh to kind of do it. Yeah. But um like, cause like with the D and D game itself, like it, well, so much of the D and D movie, um, there was no characters that anybody could relate to, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like there was no Dritz or any of his companions. Um, you know, if it was Dragonlance, everybody could recognize, like you know, Raceland Majir or Carmen, Caraman um, Majir. And like, it just there was nothing there. It was just like generic D and D movie with generic D and D characters. Blah. Yeah, it was hollow. Yeah, it was hollow. So I mean, honestly, I was kind of uh, excited to see 
D on the big screen, like when the trailer came out, but it was it was like a it was just like to me it just felt like a you know the afterthought was okay it's a cash grab that's oh, it yeah. you yeah. know they're trying to they're, they're trying to appeal to us but it's not working yeah. you know so it was kind of it was kind of awkward you know but you know we did we we touched on that we touched on uh, and this part got me because I've never experienced this in any group I've been a part of and she has experienced sexism where she was told that she does not qualify to be in uh, a certain group. And that literally shocked the fuck out of me. I was like, wait, what? I was like, I've, <laughs> I've been a part of some groups where if one woman asked to join, they would be all over it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, a couple of the gaming groups that I've been in, like, if a female came in to play in our game, like, immediately... <laughs> It was like blood in the water, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of bad to say now and nowadays. But I, I've never, I've never heard of somebody of sexism being in a D and D group. Oh yeah, she told dude, when she told me her story, my mouth dropped open. Like, wait, that does not sound right. Yeah, that does Ow. not like, sound right at all. Like I've always been, I've always looked at the principles of D and D as being for any and everybody who wants to basically join. You know, yeah. And for her to tell me that, that just sounded weird as shit. Like, really? Wow. You know, I was kind of stuck. I didn't know what to say. You know, that is kind of um. Yeah. You know what? And that's a good segue into kind of like the next part of this conversation. And that is, um, how far D and D has come from, you know, in the beginning. Because there's always this stigmata that comes with D&D, and that is, it's nerd. It's yeah. just complete and utter nerd. And um, as we've come to find out over the years is, D&D might be a lot cooler than what we once thought. <laughs> well, just a little bit. <laughs> See, funny enough, when, 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 I, when I started playing, it was just... Uh, me, my four, my three buddies, and my brother. It was just us. Any, if you went around our school and asked somebody about D and D, of course you got made fun of. But it was just us. And yeah. actually, funny enough, it was when I moved to Ohio, and I'm you know working with cool people and stuff like that. It was almost like code word because we'd be like, "Oh, do you play games?" It's like, yeah, I play video games, you know, I play this, you know, play this on the Xbox, play this on the PlayStation, whatever. It's like, oh, that's cool. And then they'll be like, well, I play tabletop. And it's like a key word right there. It's like, really? So what tabletop do you play? And we'll start, you know, we'll start naming off. And then by me basically having some experience in it, they light up automatically. And it was like, they're like, oh, I got to run into somebody that plays. I'm like, no, you don't get it. I'm running into people that play because normally you don't hear about this where I'm from. Like, holy shit, you know? So for me, it's it's a double-bladed sword because I do see it being popular. I yeah. like the fact that the the stigma that was put on it years ago is gone. A lot of people are accepting D&D. In fact, there are celebrities, athletes, singers, songwriters. They're all basically, they, they play. But at the same time... Well, just like I actually Ray- made a small list of people because I was actually genuinely curious about this. These are just some random people that have played or are very interested in playing D D. Okay. The very first one that stuck out to me, James Gunn. 
I can see that though. But yeah, yeah. James Gunn, uh, Trey Parker of South Park, uh, Anderson Cooper of all people, which is really strange (laughs) to me. What? Yeah, Anderson Cooper apparently plays D and D. Another interesting one is The Big Show from uh, WWE. Okay, now that one caught me. I hope he plays a gnome. I hope he just plays. You know that would be. We need to find him on Twitter and ask him. Uh, there's also Terry Crews. Yeah, it's not really surprising. He's kind of a nerdy guy, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Again, yeah. not surprising. Vin Diesel. Yes. See, I find that kind of hard. I found that kind of surprising, but at the same time, I actually I watched like... it, and he did fairly well because he he played with the guys from uh, Critical Role. He actually has a video up on YouTube playing yep. with him. Uh, you know what though? Like since you brought up Critical Role, have have you seen like any kind of like the 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 feedback that or the backlash that Critical Role has gotten within the D and D community? I have not. So um, there's I've kind of been like this. We'll, we'll continue after this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wait a minute! I should have rolled to see if I could have interrupted that talk. Ah, fuck! I rolled a four. Yeah, Go ahead, Derek. Finish. All right. So after Vin Diesel, we have actually uh, Tim Duncan, a professional basketball player. That's surprising. That's okay, very that's surprising. Cool. But I love it, though. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's also Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Really? I, I, that's always surprising. Yeah, Tom Morello. I just see his, I, like a bard, like some kind of bard. I, I could see that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, another not surprising one at all, Elon Musk. Come on, Elon I, Musk plays D and D. I, I, I'm just saying I would expect him to be more of a cyberpunk. Guy. Elon Musk is like king of the nerds. Let's be honest here. Yeah, but still though, I just don't see D and D holding his fancy. I see cyberpunk being more his game. I think he has a whole world just dedicated to role playing, like the state of the art, you know, touchscreen <laughs> pads and everything. I think uh, that's his. Another role. really interesting one I've came across: Robin Williams used to play D and D. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. And then there's he, also I mean, he had a Warhammer. He had a Warhammer army. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, there's also... I could just imagine Robin Williams D and D game. Oh, like, absolutely! It would be amazing. He'd always have some probably off the wall character that would just drive everyone nuts. I could see it. <laughs> what, what did you make today? I made a goblin barbarian. I uh, made a Jewish rogue. What? I, what? Oh, boy. <laughs> Robin, why uh, did you do that? Another not surprising one, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Okay, now that's, that's surprising. That's surprising. That, that was surprising to me, too. And then there's also a couple more musicians. There's Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Okay, I can believe that. Yep. Yeah. Actually, Cuomo, I'm just going to say this, though. The guy from My Chemical Romance, I can see him being more of a Vampire the Masquerade player. Because that I seems can, more that, – that's more email. There's also Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, the frontman of Weezer. Oh, I can believe that. That's yeah. that's that's total. Another fun one I found that I came across too, leading back to the whole uh, satanic panic uh, thing we were talking about earlier. Marilyn Manson used to play D and D. Yeah, that's. I don't find that surprising at all. <laughs> well, it's, not surprising. it's more so just ironic. Yeah, yeah. He probably went to play D and D because he was like, "Okay, we're going to worship the devil now, aren't we?" It's satanic. I want all about that. Uh, he probably got off stage and was like, is it my turn? But it's really surprising just how many people, and it, it, this is a quick Google search, you can just see like random oh, yeah. and the, the list goes on and on and on, 
it's really interesting just some of the random people that are on that list of just people who actually play D D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Drew Barrymore apparently plays D D. Really? I, I, <sighs> that was kind of hard to see. Yeah, that bit, is kind of hard to bit. see. Or uh, uh rest in peace. Uh, Chester Bennington. Yeah. I can okay that I can that, see that. that yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Another not surprising one, John C. Riley. Yeah, I bet you yeah. he'd be fun. Like that oh, would God. be a fun character to play. Yes. <laughs> or, or, th- this one's probably one of my favorite ones because I feel like it'd be fun to play with him. Matthew Lill- uh, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Mm. Uh, did you say something about uh, Matthew McConaughey too? See, I don't know if that's true or not. I was just trying to look that up a little bit ago, and I saw something about it. Yeah. But I, I, I couldn't find any hard evidence if he actually plays or not. But it wouldn't surprise me on it. Hmm. Well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, he's in everything. <laughs> I hear he's also in Brad Pitt. Probably. Hey. <laughs> but it, it, it's really crazy to see, like, how in the early 80s, everyone was – super against it. It was it was satanic and all this crazy stuff. Yeah, it was. And nowadays, you have all these famous celebrities and even, like, the jocks and people who used to make fun of the nerds who used to play this back in high school, things like that. They're starting to come around like, this is actually pretty cool because they're starting to understand what it is. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of bittersweet for me. Like, me personally, like, my experience with D&D in high school because I played football. And, and I was a good football player. And, um, you know, coming from London, you, you just – you did not, like, no. If you played football, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't do anything like that. Like, I had to hide, like, my comic book collection and, like, me playing D&D, me playing Magic. Like, because you just you, – you, just, you just didn't do that, mm-hmm. especially if you played football. And now it's like now I like I, I see these kids and like, you know, they have the D twenty system. They don't have to figure out Thacko. They can you know they can go play football and then go home on the weekends and play D anD D. And I'm just like, you know, that's great, but god mm-hmm. damn it, I'm just a little bitter about it. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna bring that up too because that that actually sucks. At the age that we're at right now, you see it more accepting. But at yeah. the same time, it was like when you when you were young, you know, you could play damn near every day. Yeah. Start a session at like 6 p.m. and won't get done until like 4 or 5 in the morning. You know, still have energy to go. You had nothing to do. Now that you're an adult, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, we got to schedule this because Derek works on this day. and He gets off at this time and he's got to drink three Red Bulls in order to do this. And, <laughs> oh, Marcus, he, he he can squeeze this day in if he takes it off. And it, 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 it turns into but a headache. I feel like one of the best things about D&D to its core, you can be as immersive as you want with it. Mm-hmm. You can be like, all right, I want to be a rule stickler. I want to make a character. I'm going to do every, every single thing within the rules that I'm allowed to do. And then there's also the people who like to role play more and try to get into the mindset of the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And try to figure out, like, all right, this is what my character will be thinking. This is how my character would react to this certain situation. Not necessarily how I would, how my character would react. 
and then you have the people on the opposite end of the rule sticklers who just like to try and mess everything up and go crazy off the rails to piss off the DM. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's fun because it's a bit of everything for everybody. And um, like one thing for me that I absolutely love about it is, is like when people do make time to all get together and do this. Which is it, the, the hardest part. It is the hardest part, but when it happens, it's one of the best nights ever. Oh, yes. And, oh, yes. And I think that's kind of like what's been the appeal of it like nowadays. It, it's something for friends to get together and to do and to kind of bullshit. And it's it's kind of grown into like this facet of, you know, who really wants to go out nowadays? Mm-hmm. Like we we we've all kind of moved past the the bar scene yeah we still like going to a bar every once in a while but the ideal of you know let's sit around have a couple drinks and throw some dice or go to an annoying bar and deal with jackasses like that that appeal of sitting at home throwing dice and having drinks with friends is a little bit more appealing to me than actually going to a bar well, see, a lot of that also comes back to how immersed you are into the actual story, into the character, and how oh, yeah. with good friends. Yeah. Because you're not going to go fully into a character and try to, like, get out of your own persona around just random people. Yeah. You're going to be good friends of yours, and they're going to be joking and laughing along with you the entire way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the beautiful part about it. And um, it it's, it's really is a... Uh, it, it, it is cool to see, like, coming up and seeing it being socially acceptable, but it's still kind of like, you don't know what I had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, over the years, it's, it's definitely gotten a lot more acceptable. Yeah. And a lot more interesting for the people who necessarily wouldn't have been interested in it because, just because they thought it was a nerd thing to do. Yeah. So they kind of broke out of that whole mindset. Now they're actually figuring out what D&D is at its core. And it's starting to draw in more interest. And people are actually wanting to to play it more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the best part about uh, D&D, besides, you know, the getting together with your friends and stuff like that, is definitely the stories, the inside jokes, the mishaps, you know. And it's like, you know... That right there, that right there, I mean, I can, like, my buddies that came into town this weekend, when I told them the episode that we were doing, man, we were just, hey, remember when this happened? Oh, remember when this happened? Yeah, we're having a good laugh off of it, you know? Um, I mean, that's that's the part right there that I love about D&D is that, yeah, even if it's your buddies or you're meeting these guys for the first time, there's a camaraderie in that circle Yeah. for that, for that time span that y'all are together. Whether you're playing, you know, a, a good character, neutral character, or evil character, there's that dynamic of camaraderie that y'all get from working as a team, the storyline, you know, the epic fights, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, even I, I just I just thinking about it, you know, of course, there's the old school way. And then you see uh, everything be brought up because there's a website right now where there are people who actually just, you know, role play through their computer now. Yeah. Like, they can do it in the comfort of their living room. And I'm like, dude, that is fucking sick right there. And to go along uh, with that, there are also several people who actually uh, played play, uh, D&D games 
and they stream them for podcasts on Twitch, on YouTube, mm-hmm. all over the place. So you can kind of live vicariously through other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, D&D is, uh, to me, I I put D&D up there with, with you know, basketball, football, baseball, you know, stuff like that. It's basically just ingrained. <laughs> it's just ingrained in, in, in our history. Well, because, I mean, you got the good and the bad, and that's the best part. One thing I still think is pretty funny, what a lot of people, like a lot of the jock guys who are all obsessed with football and baseball, things like that, that still to this day shit on D&D, they don't realize that fantasy football is basically jock D&D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It, it is. It is. <laughs> I, 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 no, you're right. It is. And like that's one thing I love about fantasy football is that it is jock D and D. I play both D and D and fantasy football. Yeah, it, it's it's almost one and the same, honestly. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's like sometimes if I hear people like they like, oh, you play D and D, isn't that kind of nerdy? And it's Absolutely. like, and it's like you you do fantasy baseball. That's like it's like playing oh. fantasy accounting, like. How is that not nerdier than play, playing fucking D and D? I honestly think that's worse because you're living through other people and not creating a character yourself. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So oh, I gotta be Lamar Jackson this week. <laughs> I mean, um, and I, uh, my my next question to you guys is, and I'm pretty sure y'all gonna get a kick out of this one. Um, is it about Brad Pitt? I would love for it to be about Brad Pitt. I can go like 20 <laughs> questions with Brad Pitt right now. Oh, uh, yeah? What was the hold best? On, hold on, hold on, Marcus. Oh, go ahead. Roll for Brad Pitt. All right, roll for Brad okay, Pitt. Okay, Brad Pitt rolled a 13. I want to say he has at least a plus 10 charisma, so that's a 23. That's a that's a 23. I have uh, Brad, 17. Uh, yeah, Brad Pitt successfully seduces you. Yeah. See, you know, he's going to catch wind of this and then come after us. <laughs> I hope so. I, I'm hoping we mentioned Brad Pitt enough that he comes on the show. <laughs> uh, I'm Keanu Reeves just rolled a nat 20. Oh, 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 oh. I was about to say, the best, uh, what race and class that you had the most, uh, most fun playing with? Man. See, I, I dabbled, I, I mentioned this earlier. And I, my, one of my campaigns that I absolutely loved playing was an evil campaign. And uh, I, I was at a part of a full group of all goblin players. And we were playing Pathfinder, and I was a goblin summoner. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had with a character, just going off the wall. Because we were lawful evil, at least. We weren't chaotic. So we still kind of fell within the, the law somewhat. But it, evil intention. And... Okay. Uh, I had a Eidolon, which is basically like a familiar kind of addition to my character, who was just this massive winged demon who would do all my fighting for me. <laughs> it, it, it was it was pretty insane, and my character was obsessed with making holes and pitfalls everywhere. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I've had so many freaking characters. Uh I would say probably um, 
I'll, I'll give you one of the newest ones I'm having a lot of fun with. And that is for a new game me and my buddies just started on Friday night. Um, I'm playing an orc barbarian, and he is a strong believer in green lives matter. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so he he is a um, power to the greenskins. Yeah, he he's a militant. He's a a, a militant orc that's uh, trying to break the mold of how people view orcs in the world. <laughs> Okay. It, it, it's it's been a lot of fun because uh, there's been a lot of moments of well we'll go kill them, and the orc is just kind of like, why? Because I'm an orc. Is that <laughs> is that is that how you see me? And they're like, no, because you're a fucking barbarian. That's what you do. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just, oh yeah, you're right. I am a barbarian. Okay, that okay, all right. A bit racist. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I've I've. Uh... The last campaign I did, I was actually, uh, I started playing with Ranger, which was fun. But my most, my, my most favorite character was a human fighter that was also a mercenary. And he was a bit of a dick. This is the same character that got saved. You play a dick? No. 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 Hey, <laughs> I, I literally had, I literally had one of the players in character and then out of character get mad at me. All because I would not lift a finger because they automatically they, they were still new to D and D so they were just like, oh we saved you, do you want to go on this epic quest with us? And I'm like, the fuck do I want to go on an epic quest? I was like, am I getting paid for this? And I just kept that up and she just okay out of character. Marcus, why are you being a dick, dude? Like really, just just join the team. And I'm like, this is my character. He's a mercenary. <laughs> and it actually took one of my buddies who was also a veteran player to be like, oh okay, I got it. He's like, Marcus, I'll offer you, you know, five gold, 20 silver, you know, just follow us. Okay. And I got shit from the other player all the way up until we stopped because I, I only did things for money. And I'm like, that's my character. I am a mercenary. I work for money. Like, think about that for a second. Okay. You're talking about an epic quest that obviously does not concern me. Okay. This concerns you more than me. So that was that was that was too fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is, it is it is fun to kind of think back on uh, some of the characters. So um, something I think that maybe we should kind of discuss a little bit is um, uh, you brought up a critical role, and um, there is kind of um, there is kind of an issue within that kind of community, and. Um, I'm in a D and D group, and there's been a lot of talk about Critical Role, because there's people that love the show and there's people that hate the show, and I, I didn't understand why people hated the show, so I asked about and I asked why, and a lot of it comes up from, so the the Mercer guy that runs the game, Matt Mercer, Matt Mercer, mm -hmm. um, he's labeled as the greatest DM of all time, and I I listened, I went and I listened to it, and he's he's a good dm he's very immersive storyteller yeah and um and i was kind of asking why people have such a hard time with the show and why there's such hate for the show and it kind of came back that people that listen to the show or watch that show they get this sense of that's what dnd is and then they go they find a group they go and play and unfortunately you might not have matt mercer running your dnd game 
you might have somebody that works 10 to eight hours, comes home, spends one to two hours working on his campaign. And then Matt Mercer has essentially made a career out of playing D and D and he's very, very good at what he does. Yeah. He's very theatrical. Oh, no, I, 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 setting the stage, but it's, it gives you the false sense of what to expect if you're a new player. Exactly. And that's what I'm getting at because I had a discussion with people in the, in the thing and I kind of brought up the analogy of it's sort of like sitting there watching an NFL football game and then you getting up, up off your couch and going, hey, I'm going to go play football with my friends. And then you go play a pickup game of football and then you're upset that nobody's at pro caliber. Exactly. And, like, I, I think that kind of, as much as I enjoy the show for what it is, I think that kind of hurts the D&D community a little bit. That being said, if you already play D&D and know what to expect, it is a very good watch. Yes. But if you do not know D&D, do not, like, think that that is every D&D game. Right. You need to hold that thing <laughs> Because yeah. they are professionals at it. Yeah. You're the like, professional D&D player. That'd be so awesome. Like, why, why couldn't I get that in high school? Like, what do you want to be with yourself, Jason? Well, I want to be a professional D&D player. That's one of the beautiful things about D&D is it's ever-growing. Oh, it is. going everywhere. D&D has inspired movies, uh, podcasts, TV, music. Video games. Video games. Video games. And it's ever-evolving. It's the only, limit, the only limit that you have is your own imagination. Yeah. yeah. So the other problem that D&D is facing nowadays is um, with the, the climate of society, um, D&D has kind of come under fire with uh, some of the race issues. Oh, God, here we go. And um, I, I was talking to a buddy about this that I play D&D with, and we kind of came to this analogy of you for the longest time, D&D was dominated by white people because let's let's face it like when you look at the nerd culture and everything else the 70s and 80s there was a good percentage of it that it was white I'm not trying to you know that that's just how it was so you didn't really have much diversity when it came to it and I hate to say but it, it was a little bit segregated it was, it was, and but that's the beautiful thing about it now is that it's not becoming it's it's becoming so much more open, and you have you have women that are playing, which is such a nice break, to, <laughs> uh, and, and you have and you have people of color coming and playing, which is also awesome because they do bring a different kind of way of thinking into the game. I I, I just find it a little kind of like. If you're taking, if you're trying to change orcs and drow who are naturally evil characters, then what are you going to be left with to fight? Like that's that's kind of like where I'm at with this. Is like it, it almost seems like we're going back to where uh, you you mentioned earlier about how they actually removed the orc or the half orcs. Yeah. And Another, I think it was what was it, the tieflings? No, they they removed the half orcs and the assassin class because they didn't want people to play evil characters. Exactly. Um, it's almost like it's backtracking a little bit, 
But I think a lot of that is has to do a bit with society. Uh, I I really think you're right on that, and I'm kind of I'm kind of scared with that because I honestly think that they maybe if they opened those races up more to people to play, like if they were more included in more picking. <laughs> well, yeah, like if if you didn't have to go and buy like a whole nother book to get the orc stats to play an orc character, and it was kind of cons- like put into like the the player's handbook. And to where people could could play. Because I, I think part of the problem is, is like, nobody, like, I think DMs get really kind of lazy. And they don't really kind of stress that just because a character is an orc doesn't necessarily make it e- evil. Well, th- there are some of them that don't necessarily put them off as evil. But they will follow along with the story and like the social economy. Yeah. Whereas... If it's like a predominantly elf, half elf human territory, and you see a random half orc, which there's not very many in the land, period. Yeah. It might not necessarily be as common to see, and some people might have different reactions to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of depends on how the DM also reacts with your character as well. Yeah. And and I, I just think like sometimes, like with like the racial outrage with like oh you know how you portray the orcs and how you portray the drow and it's just kind of like well they're orcs and drow they well, are inherently evil <laughs> i don't necessarily know any dms who are going to say oh your your character's a half orc you're entering the city there's a lynch mob trying to kill you now <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i mean but also i think at, at that point in time like it, it's a fantasy setting so people are going to be very xenophobic like that's just how people were back then yeah uh, and it, it's it's like oh you see a half orc it's going to be amazing because you're probably not going to see a half orc or an orc unless it's like attacking and raping your cow and running off with your mom well, i was gonna um, say i was gonna say have you played have you played uh <laughs> dragon age look how they do the elves <laughs> yeah well, like, like, I'm, I'm like this you need you need some sort. You need some sort of of, of strife of, to balance out the game. That's how I look at it. And yeah. there has to be a natural good and evil force in it. Even if, yeah. and and of course, my thing is, yeah, you can basically create these characters. You can set whoever you want as the antagonist or the protagonist or whatever, however you like to do it. But my thing is, is that you know. <clears throat> to try to basically put all races as either good or neutral, that right there is, I mean, it, to me, it's, it, it's unbalanced. Yeah. And, and kind of like the... So kind of like what I was getting from like the articles and stuff that I was reading was it's just kind of like the characteristics of how they describe like the orcs and the drow. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, I, I, don't, I, I don't get that. And maybe it's because I'm old, and you know when I played D and D, it was still kind of in the closet, so it was still yeah. very segregated. But um, I just kind of feel that if you if you take those away, you're going to start to lose certain elements of the game, and the game's just going to become bland. You're going to start losing some of the immersion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And. I would strongly say that it's up to the DM to really kind of like strive home that like, you know, not all 
orcs are like not all drow or evil because it's like one of the most famous D&D characters ever, Dritz. Mm-hmm. And he's a drow. Like he is a drow. And like that's never brought up that like when you say D&D, you think of Dritz and it's drow and it's an evil race. Mhm. So yeah, I, honestly, I, 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 for me, I hope they don't change anything. Yeah, I hope consider not, it, yeah. consider it, but don't, because I'm like, for me, I've always had that thing of if it's not broke, don't, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Yeah. You know, and to give in to demands of people who are new to the game, that right there is that's redundant. If, if, if especially if old school veterans like ourselves who have played the game for years have not complained, have not, you know, wrote them an angry letter. Oh, why are the orcs evil? Headbutt the space bar and shit. You well, know. This also go back, goes back to what I was saying earlier about how they can have third-party and homebrew spinoffs to where people can take the core rules of D&D, Pathfinder, uh, Starfinder, anything else that they want. They can take those core rules and do their own thing entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So if they want to say that Oh, orcs, uh, they're not allowed in this game because they're evil. That's perfectly okay. That's what they're, they're allowed to do. But to change the core rule book on what these are, I, I think it's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah it is. You yeah. have free reign to do whatever you want. So if you don't want to allow these characters in your campaign, you're more than entitled to say no character, no orcs. No half horse, nothing like that. You are completely allowed to say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is up to the DM's discretion. That's just how it is. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also kind of amazed that like nobody takes the time to really go into the thought of like, there's nothing that never says that there can't be black elves and there can't be black dwarves. Like, how come they just never like really kind of try to push that with the player characters? than anything. Well, that comes to player creation. Yeah. I mean, if you want to save a black dwarf, there's nothing saying you can't have a black dwarf. Yeah, but that's kind of like my thing is, like, you're you're upset about these orcs and these dwarves and these uh, drow. Like, how come you're not, like, as a DM trying to be like, you're a dwarf, you know, like, get into your character. Describe your character is what I'm trying to say. If you Mm -hmm. have a DM that's going to limit your character creation based on, like, height, weight, race, things like that. Yeah. I, I think you need to find a DM. I agree. <laughs> there, there are some exceptions to that. You're not going to have a giant who's three feet tall. Yeah. Like, there are some exceptions within reason. Yeah. But to say, like, you can't have a uh, a black elf, there's nothing to say you can't have one. Yeah. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I would much rather see DMs try to push that kind of creativity towards their players than actually trying to go back and change the rules in the game in a yeah. sense. No, I agree with you on that one, brother. This shit, just leave everything alone. Because, I mean, honestly, I, I, if they did, it's, it's just going to fuck everything up, in my opinion. It really will. Yeah. Your own limits, your own imagination. Yeah. I don't see how this is even a problem. I, uh, but I, I agree with you, but apparently it is. It's an attack on the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, South Park. 
Don't need oh. your imaginations, bro. <laughs> well, I I had fun with this episode. Oh, I do. This is actually a very good talk. We can add to this, but I think we've gone on long enough. <laughs> yes, I think we have too. So, with that being said, Jason, would you like to do the honors? Let them know uh, where they can find us. Uh, yeah. Um, kind of like first off, uh, you know, we kind of say this every time, but if you're enjoying the show and you're enjoying us listening to our ramblings and everything else, uh, please uh, spread us around. Uh, share the show, pass it on, tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell your enemies, tell your dog, tell your hamster. Um, spread it like crabs. Yes, spread <laughs> it like crabs and herpes. Um, we we like doing the show. We like doing the show for you all. Um, we, we put a lot of work and we put a lot of effort into it. And um, right now we do it for love. So um, if you love the show and everything else, please spread us around. Yes. Basically, you can find us on uh, Instagram. I, I'm under the handles, uh, the Noble Order of Savages, Howl. They wouldn't let me put my whole name down. <laughs> uh, I, too, am on uh, Instagram under the name of Noble Order of Savages, JM. I am not on Instagram. <laughs> uh, also, uh, if you're not a part of our Facebook group, uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, it is the Noble Order of Savages. And, um, you know, become friends with me. I'm Jason and become friends with Derek and Marcus. Find us on Facebook and become friends with us. Yeah, right. I warn you, if you try to become friends with me, your Facebook will be flooded with memes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same <laughs> with me. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we would love to hear from you guys. That's what the Facebook group is for. That's what the Twitter is for. We love the questions. We love the comments. Uh, so please. Share, like, subscribe, spread it like herpes and crabs, please. Just, just put the word out there. We, we would like to hear from you. We'd love to hear from your friends. Uh, once again, we do enjoy doing this. It, it is a, it, it's fucking fun. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, tell us what you guys want to hear from us. Like, what is there a topic you want us to tackle? Do you, do you want us to tackle making banana bread? Uh, do you want us to tackle cannibalistic pygmies from the amazon do you like, want us to tackle brad pitt yeah we can tackle brad pitt again yes <laughs> I, I i will literally sit here for a whole week and write out at least like 150 questions that i would love to ask brad pitt hey hey derek you, you remember like um girls in like the eighth grade how they would sit there with like their notebooks and like oh it's it's john he's so dreamy and like <laughs> yeah that's that's what marcus does with like pictures of brad pitt like literally i bet you like we don't see the ceiling to his room i bet you it's just covered like with sticky brad pitt pictures stop telling everybody my secrets <laughs> marcus roll a d20 god damn it <laughs> and i got Oh, shit. I got a six. <laughs> has six Brad Pitt paintings on his ear <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, time to go find some popular pictures of Brad Pitt. Uh, before, we, uh, before we hop off here, I want to say uh, go check out uh, Jason Gold's show, uh, Podcast for Psychopaths on YouTube. Very hilarious. Um, check out uh, Epitome of Stupidity for Music. Uh, check out um, my friend Shane, her podcast, Crip in the Cradle. 
Uh, also check out uh, Caster Guild. It's kind of a nerd geek kind of thing. Um, Mississippi Bones is always and uh, Future Crime. You can find it on Bandcamp. Oh, yes. And with that being said, I would like to thank everybody for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, leave a like, leave a comment on our Facebook group, letting us know you love the show. Share it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you guys next time, all right? All right. Peace.